My name is Isaac Sessi. I am the founder and CEO of Sessi Technologies. We develop technology solutions for farmers and uh, thanks for having me. Isaac, thank you for being here. I think I've been trying to get you on the podcast for about a decade or something. <laughs> but finally you're, finally you're on. Uh, yeah. Which I consider an honor and a privilege. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of things to talk about. Obviously, you uh, uh, are known to the startup world from Sessi Technologies, but yeah. uh, you're active in many other categories of uh, startups other than agribusiness. Mm -hmm. And you've done all kinds of things that led to Sessi before as yeah. well as things after. So I want to cover the whole story first of, uh, of Isaac Sessi. Mm -hmm. And then go and talk a bit more about this technologies as well as the newer, what I hear, a newer uh, entrepreneurial venture, uh, an educational venture that we'll talk about later. So mm -hmm. why don't you tell me a bit about how it all started, starting mm -hmm. perhaps uh, with your education, and we'll take it from there. Yeah. So uh, thank you for having me. I mean, after the whole back and forth, it's nice to finally be able to do this. Um, yeah. So... Uh, I have always been interested in engineering and, and building stuff, even as a kid. So as a kid, I would build like electronic boats and other things that you could play with. And, um, you know, we back then, we really didn't have these stores where you could actually get components to buy, bits to buy, and then assemble together. So it's just like making do with what you can. Um, buying toys, break, putting, breaking them apart, sticking out the motor and see what you can build from it, like using cardboard and seeing what you can build from it. So uh, I went to high school in Ghana, um, a school called Infantipim School, where I met other people who were like equally as passionate about engineering and building things as I am. So we, we formed a group and then uh, we had a chemistry lab to ourselves, ourselves where we would spend all of our pocket money to go to the shops and buy all the electronic components and then we'll build all of these circuits. So we built quite a number of things. Like uh, we built a dishwasher, we built a clothes drying machine, we built like a multi-purpose cooking machine because in boarding school, you cannot cook your own food. You are confined to the dining hall food. And so we built all of these different technologies to solve the problems we had. So the clothes machine that we built was because we had people stealing our shirts when we hung them outside. So we built a <laughs> device where we could just dry our own clothes within the, so like a dryer inside of the lab. So we'd wash, take our clothes there and then go and dry. So, I mean, all of that foundation uh, created in me a desire to really study engineering going forward. And so I went to university and decided to study electrical engineering and I went to university in Ghana. And over there, uh, one of the opportunities I discovered was that as engineering students, we had to build all of these projects and circuits and all of that, but there was nowhere to, um, to build. I mean, there was nowhere to find the, the electronic components you needed to build those projects. And so I started the first online electronics retail company called Invent Electronics, uh, which um, was, a place where you could get electronic components to buy for your projects and um, for for whatever. So it, it, it grew and it became big quickly, quickly because 
you know how old were you back when you so i was like uh like uh 19 or 20 i think uh yeah and then before then i had done uh, uh, other businesses in in high school like you know selling hard drives and this kind of stuff but starting event electronics was like my first real company so um at the time i didn't know how to code yet i was looking for someone to build a website for me and the person was busy and so one summer vacation i learned how to code and before i came back i had built the website and people could order their their electronic components and have it delivered to them pay from their phones which maybe in the us or any other advanced country sounds like hey we've been able to do this since forever but in Ghana, that was like very new then. So it was quite innovative. And um, I became known as the electronics guy, right? So if you needed electronic components, you, you came to me. And um, so because of that, people brought their projects for me to help them with. And I had a roommate who um, was a computer science student. He also was good with coding. And you know, back then, a lot of people doing computer science were just doing it in theory, but he like he knew how to code even before he went to to do computer science so people came to him to do uh, projects for them and we realized that because we're like um you know we're like first year second year and then the people who were doing who were doing their projects for were like in final year they tried to cheat us right pay us very little money in exchange for our help so we're like hey let's come together and then um say we are a company and now charge people more money because you, you are not dealing with individuals, you are dealing with a company. So I remember one evening we had this really big board and we're writing just different names, different words that we were inspired by. And then we started crossing them out one by one, one by one, one by one. And then by the time we're left, we, by the time we're done, we're left with wires and then bytes. So wires because I was there, engineering student and then bytes because my friend was the computer science student so um we put it together and we called the business wires and bytes uh initially as a way to um help us charge more for the services the the engineering and coding services we're offering but then um we, there was a time we're still students at the time so at that around the, around the time we're supposed to write exams realized that there was no app to help us prepare for exams, right? And in mm -hmm. Ghana, one of the way you prepare for exams is to solve previous like questions, um, like past exams, exam questions. And the way you get that is you have to go and get photocopies um, of photocopies, physical copies from way back, and then take them to a photocopier and then photocopy them and come and try and solve. Usually it's just the questions, so you don't even know whether your answers are correct or wrong. And we're like, wait, so why, why isn't there an app for this? Why can't I open my phone and then see all of the questions, see the answers and everything? So we're like, hey, let's, let's build something. Let's, let's build an app that um, makes it possible for students to be able to access um, past questions and uh, like course content from their phones. And so we built um, like our main product, which is Pasco. So basically Pasco is the, the student slang for past questions, um, which is essentially, um, which was essentially an app that uh, puts together like questions and other resources for each program in the, in, on campus. And so if you are, the pro, if you are in, a, in a program, you just go, you download the app, 
and then um, you um, go on the app and then you can access you know, questions and then we crowdsource the answers from the community and then the community vets to uh, decide whether the answer is correct or wrong. And um, we, I mean- Is this going our, on, uh, is this still going on or uh, is it something no, we, that you interrupted? Yeah. Yeah, we interrupted it. Um, so basically uh, uh, the, way, the way we made money was that when you download the app, you have an amount of, uh, we have an in-app currency called Pasco coins. Which, which you can use to buy some course content. And once that is over, you can top up with actual money and then get access to more content. And um, we, it's grew organically. We just wanted to test it with one, one class to see how it was going to go. But then um, a lot of people started telling other people about it on campus. And then it became, it blew up. Um, and at the time um, we had like, 3,000 students um, on campus using it. Um, so around the time we we're just about to graduate from school and it was myself, my roommates at the time. Um, and then we had another friend who we're working with. Now what happened was that we had not had a discussion of, hey, like we're about to graduate, what happens from here? And so it's like we graduated and everybody made different plans for their lives. And it was difficult to, coordinate and keep working together because in Ghana you do something called national service which is like compulsory one-year um, work that you do like for the government and so um, it was difficult combining running the company with running um, I mean working so we decided to mutually like just bring it to an end but then um, so that was wise and bites between 2016 and 2018. And so around the time I was still working on in the university um, as, as the IT manager, one of the IT labs. Uh, and then at the same time as, a, as an engineering researcher at the Department of Agriculture. So I worked on this project that um, was being, I mean, I worked on this project where we're, look, we're investigating post-service losses in, in grains and trying to develop a technology to make it easy for farmers to measure the moisture content. So I was made to lead that project. Uh, a US engineer had developed a prototype of the machine, of the device, and I was asked to like reverse engineer and see whether we could redesign it, make it more efficient, make it better, and then locally uh, produce it. So over like the course of one year, I did all of that. And we launched the project, it was very successful. And my team was like, um, I mean, the, the other researchers I was working with, they were like, you know, you should start a company out of this. At the time, I was not really looking to start another company because I had the electronics, um, the invent electronics company going on. Um, I had a nonprofit going on, which was the Sister Foundation. We'll talk about that later. And then um, I was also doing other things on the side. So like, I wasn't about to start a new company, but the, they convinced me the potential was there. So I started, SESI technologies, basically to commercialize the outputs of the research that I had done at the Department of Agri-Engineering. So we brought this moisture meter to market and it was interesting. We got quite a bit of support to pilot this, understand the market and do all of that. And uh, it's been five years between that time and now um, where we have moved beyond just the moisture meter to now developing like a whole suite of solutions um, 
helping farmers to reduce losses and increase productivity. So that has been mainly my professional journey. Now, along the way, I took a detour. I, um, there was a, an, a, a company that was um, looking to launch in Ghana. It was a FinTech company, Wave, that was looking to launch in Ghana. And they were looking for a, a country launcher. And I looked at the opportunity and it sounded interesting. So I decided to like take some time um, off running my company full time to check this out and see. Uh, because at the time um, we we're bootstrapping and um, money was a bit hard to come by. And these guys were like offering to pay me a lot of money. So I was like, hey, like worst case scenario, I would have enough money to finance my company. So um, I worked with Wave to where I was basically helping to um, launch the products in new countries across Africa. And basically the idea is like, at the, as a country launcher, you go to a new country and then you go and introduce the product in that country right from scratch as if you were building a new company. And basically that was like something I did for like almost a year, uh, mainly in Francophone, um, French speaking, West African countries. And um, the economic crisis hit and the company decided that they didn't want to expand to Ghana anymore. So my work with them ended and then I came back to running my company full-time. So uh, that has been like my educational, professional journey. And along the line, I also decided that I wanted to do a master's program. And so um, actually I didn't plan to do a master's. The opportunity just landed on my laps. And uh, one of the, the, the organizations I had worked with had a an opportunity to sponsor some entrepreneurs to go study a new entrepreneurship program that the University of Utah was um, offering. And so I applied for it and then I got into it and I studied at the University of Utah, uh, Master of Business Creation for like uh, a year and a half. So um, essentially that has been the summary of my, my journey as an entrepreneur. And, uh, uh, so, so, yeah. so what you described as uh the technology that you reverse engineered um, and then lead, that led up to uh, you, what you call your company is what we know today as SESI Technologies, right? Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. Can we talk more about, more in depth about the business model? Now you mentioned that you produce solutions for reducing inefficiencies in local farmers in, uh, I'm assuming Ghana or other countries as well. Mm -hmm. um, can you be more specific in terms of what are the inefficiencies that you are fighting against? Um, yeah. And how, and how has your technology helped farmers uh, uh, achieve that? Mm. So uh, currently we are active in the grain post-harvest management space, where we are specifically providing solutions to help reduce post-harvest losses in grains. Now in, in Ghana, as much as 30% of grains that are produced by farmers are lost to post-harvest losses. Uh, and then some of the, 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 the factors that result in these losses uh, include high moisture content, poor storage, lack of market access. They are all linked, linked problems. And so um, we, when we came up with the moisture meter, you know, it was to solve the moisture problem because if you do not measure the moisture content, you may store your grains at too high a moisture content, which will lead to insects. So um, we came up with this moisture meter where farmers can basically insert the device into a bag of grain and then um, be able to know whether the moisture content is good enough for storage or the grain has to be dried some more. And then we realized that, you know, just being able to know the moisture content was not enough to, pro to prevent post-harvest losses. 
And so we came up with this new innovation, which were new hermetic storage bags that would kill insects trying to penetrate the, bag, the, the grains from the outside. Now in Africa, most grains are stored inside of, of bags uh, in 50 kilogram, 100 kilogram or 130 kilogram bags. So we came up with a new storage solution um, where they could store these grains securely, not have to worry about moisture or insects or pests attacking their grain. And then so we realized that from us- uh, What kind of material is it that you're using for the box? No, I mean, the original, normally what are they stored in cardboard? No, normally they store it in, in, um, in, in polypropylene bags. So they are like uh, bags made up of like woven plastic um, fibers. But then those are very poor quality usually. And um, they, they do not prevent moisture or insects from attacking the grain. They just hold the grain. So we came up with a better version of that one, which um, first prevented any air or moisture from entering into the grain. And secondly, um, it had two layers. So we had an inner, inner layer, which prevented moisture from entering into the grain. And we had an outer layer that was infused with an insecticide that kills the grains. So that was a much superior solution to the, the, the solution they already have. And yeah. then- um, what, if, uh, what if the grain is already moist when you enter the box and then you seal no, the, the box? Don't you get no. mold from that? Yeah, so the moisture content has to be at a certain level before you put into the bag. That is why we have the moisture meter so that you right. know what that's, uh, whether it is okay to put it in the bag or not. Yeah. So, then we realized that even before we get to the bags, you know, when farmers harvest, they have challenges with some of the processes like drying and threshing. So we also started offering those services. And uh, with time, we started to build a portfolio of products and services that together was meant to help, you know, re solve all of the different causes of post-harvest losses so that farmers mm -hmm. could, first of all, uh, reduce losses Secondly, improve their productivity because of, of all of the machines that we're now bringing in to help them do things faster. And thirdly, increase their income. Now, increase their income because we also came up with a platform where farmers could sell their grains um, for much better prices than just selling on the open market. So, um, Ceci Technologies is a, just a combination of different products and services that together uh, address all of the challenges in post-harvest losses. So usually we target, I mean, mainly we target first smallholder farmers, but then also like more established businesses. So we have right. a service model where we provide services to the smallholder farmers. And then for the agribusinesses, they can purchase our products like directly. Right, so how do you approach the small farmer? Do you actually, how do they find you? How do they purchase your products? Mm -hmm. How you so we have, it? yeah. So our model is that we we have relationships, strong relationships with the World Food Program, who have access to a large network of farmers whom they've given us access to. So we look for which areas uh, are the most viable, which have the most active farmers, and then we go into those areas. And now all of the farmers are organized into farmer-based organizations, and so we approach the most active farmer-based organizations. We let them know our proposal, what we plan to offer, and uh, when they are, when when they are, if they are happy with what we are offering, then we register them onto our platform. We establish a presence in the community, and we start offering our services. 
I see. So you, and then you have uh, someone that is steadily in that community. So you establish, your, you anchor yourself in that community? Yes. So when we say a community, uh, we mean what? We mean small villages? We mean uh, like what, what population are you referring to when you target a community specifically? Yeah, so usually um, in a community, a community is usually like a, a small town, um, yeah. a small town that would have maybe from uh, uh, 5,000 to 20,000 people within their community. Uh, yeah. And in that town, you know, majority of those people would be farmers. Um, we also work in the towns that surround the town that we're established in. Okay. And um, what are the, uh, what is the output of the average, out of curiosity, the average uh, small farmer in an environment like that? Yeah, so like, I mean, it varies, right? Um, you can have outputs as small as, say, two hectares right? Um, the farmer just cultivates on two hectares. And then you can have some as big as 10 hectares, right? So it's just between, it's between those, those bounds. Uh, because in a group, you'd have farmers that are just farming just for their, their own sustenance and they sell their, their surplus. And then you also have farmers who are actually doing farming as a business. And so those people have much larger farms or will be doing like different, cultivating different crops. So your platform for selling your crops, for selling, uh, 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 yeah, for selling your crops, um, how has it disrupted the current the previous model of uh, selling crops? Well, um, we haven't gotten to the scale where we will say we have disrupted the the the. the or how, what's what's the vision? How could it disrupt? It, yeah. So the vision is that you know um, we want to. I mean, we want to solve the, the supply chain bottlenecks and the, um, the inefficiencies within the grain supply chain where the people who have the grains to sell uh, are not finding the right people to sell their grains to. And the people who want grains to buy do not know where to find grains to sell, do not know where to find the sellers. And so, you know, the buyers have to move from town to town, from village to village, from community to community, looking for grains to aggregate. Um, the sellers also have to wait for someone to come and make them an offer before they sell. Otherwise, they have to like take their grains to the, to the open market. And usually they are subject to the prices of the, the they are subject to the forces of demand and supply. So on a day where everybody is taking their grain to the market, you know, the prices come down. On a day where the, the, the grains are scarce, the prices go up. So um we just want to, we wanted to like smoothing out all of those efficiencies uh, by building this platform where farmers that have grains to sell uh, can, you know, put their grains online um, through us. And then people, we work with partners like off-takers, uh, poultry farmers, people who want grains to buy can also find those grains to buy. And then uh, we create that seamless um, bridge between these two people. And so, you know, the idea is to just make, uh, to remove all of the, the bottlenecks and inefficiencies in the supply chain so that, uh, which increase cost and results in low productivity so that in the end we can create shared increased value for everyone involved in the supply chain. At which stage is this uh, platform right now? Is it still beta or uh, have you actually put it out there? 
Yeah, it's currently in beta. We are testing with a few hundred farmers and uh, some suppliers. And then um, once we, because this is something that is new and novel, you know, we want to get a lot of data. We want to really, um, you know, like validate all of our assumptions before we make it open. And because uh, our harvest cycles are like, you know, if you miss the season, you have to wait the next for the next season before you can try out some of the features. And so mm -hmm. sometimes it takes a lot, a lot of time to validate some of the assumptions. Usually, in the in the case of commodities, isn't it? Does it make sense to have a like a almost like a personal relationship between the wholesaler and the, like the small farmer? Uh, is does it, for efficiency purposes does it make more sense to, to buy large batches of uh, seeds? Isn't that of grain? Is forgive me. Isn't that uh, what most uh, wholesalers or whatever you call them? Uh, yeah, prefer. Yeah, yeah. That's that is what is preferred. But you know the volumes that the smallholder farmers are doing are too small individually to meet the needs of that wholesaler. So that wholesaler has to now have his people go around and buy from several hundreds of farmers to meet their needs, which is not efficient because now you have to go and find who the people are. Um, and then you have to like, you know, uh, the logistics and the movement of all of that, that grain is very like time consuming and not really feasible. And so, so we open up the market for the farmers to be able to, you know, access better offers from other places rather than just waiting in their house for someone to come and pass by and ask you, hey, do you have corn to sell? Okay, I'll give you this price. And then right. you know that he's shortchanging you, but because right. you need the money anyway, you still have to sell. So yeah. uh, basically we open, we create this platform and then um, open it up for farmers to be able to access more, a bigger potential market. Traditionally in the US and all over, all over the world, really, uh, villa, small communities they would gather their their grain and then they would sell it as a uh, as a, as a village. Is this mm -hmm. how it happens now? Uh, in yeah, in, in some in some communities you might have something like that, uh, but then for most people you don't have cooperatives that are that organized and that established to be able to do that. Uh, it exists, but then. Um, that is not the, the status quo. That is not the norm. Mostly it's just um, farmers selling their grains individually um, because, yeah, that's what is most common. The corporate or the aggregate uh, model is not something that is very common because their structures are not really established. So a guy, so you can be two houses down the street from another guy. You can receive two different prices from the same wholesaler? Yeah. Huh. Yeah. So and wholesalers are always trying to get the lowest price possible. So sure. they are going to push. Yeah. Yeah. Very exciting. Uh, how uh, Describe Sessi Technologies right now. How big is it in terms of uh, employment, uh, in mm. terms of revenues, et cetera? Yeah. So um, we're, we're still a small team. Uh, in total, we are 17 in number. Um, that is made up of full-time, a couple of part-time, and a couple of uh, people that are doing national service. Um, it's still fully bootstrapped. And so we are like, you know, taking a more careful approach to, to growth. 
Um, especially in the agric space where things are more conservative, uh, you have to like be a bit more careful. But then this year we're looking to like um, scale up some of the things we are doing. And so we are looking to go a bit more faster. Uh, so yeah, I mean, so far so good. It's been a good journey. Um, and uh, we like where we are now. We're happy with where we are now. I mean, while we're happy where we are now, you know, we want to like grow much faster in the coming years and then uh, make our products more widely available to uh, more farmers. So what's your what's your vision for SESI Technologies? Is it to eventually sell it to a, a foreign uh, conglomerate? No, that's a good idea. I, sorry, that's a good question. Um, uh, at some point, I want to like have some sort of exit, right? And so, and then go do something interesting that I like, which doesn't involve, you know, the stress of running a startup, right? And I love what I do at Sessi Technologies, but I feel like at some point, I want to hang my boots and say, hey, like I have given, what, 15 years of my life to this. And so I'm ready for the next thing. And so um, for Ghana, like the most likely outcome would be like a strategic acquisition. So maybe some other company comes and says, hey, you know, you, we want to expand to Ghana. We think what you're doing really complements what we want to do, want to acquire you. I'm like, hey, bring all the dollars. So right. <laughs> that's, that's, that's like the end goal. And do you find that you have competitive advantage compared to perhaps an American company that could produce something at a, at a lower price point and be an enter, but you, you feel that you have a competitive advantage because you're African, because you know the market, as far as expanding in other countries as well? Well, Africa is a very, very fragmented place, to be honest. And uh, even within Ghana, you know, systems and, 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 and things that work in the South may not work in the North, right? Yeah. And then you have all of these countries, there are language barriers, there are currency barriers, there's cultural barriers, there are a lot of things. So, so things that will work in Ghana may not necessarily work in other places. So uh, it doesn't necessarily give you um, a competitive advantage of any sort. I mean, knowing the market is great, um, knowing the market is great, but then it's, it's uh, really, it's not necessarily a competitive advantage depending on you know, uh, what is going on and depending on like what specifically you are doing and all of that. So why haven't uh, uh, already established companies, for example, companies that license the product that uh, the scientists whose product you reverse engineered. Uh, how come nobody has thought to, to do this, uh, to become your competitor? Well, the thing is, it's difficult. Um, everybody, the process of bringing the technology to market, validating the assumptions, building the markets, especially for a novel technology is difficult. No one wants to do that. Everybody is waiting for someone to do it. And once the market is established and validated, then and then you get to a certain scale, they see that, okay, this is a good product. That is when people are going to come in and say, hey, like, you know, let's start competing with you, right? Mm -hmm. And so everybody wants someone else to do all of the dirty work and then they can just swoop in. And then come and, uh, and acquire you, right? So that's a, <laughs> right. Yeah, either come and acquire you or come and, you know, compete with you and kick you into oblivion. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, it sounds like you're an entrepreneur where your heart is uh, in many different places. Do you why? Uh, so do you do you think of uh, Isaac Sessi as a, a as almost like as a as a producer of startups 
which you eventually want to exit? Uh, and how come haven't you uh, kind of packaged that whole thing in a company that does other things as well? And uh, how come are you only focusing on agribusiness as far as that company is concerned? Mm, not necessarily. Uh, for me, it's like I have done other startups in the past and all of them has been part of the journey, part of the learning process. I'm not working on a lot of things simultaneously. This is the startup I am running full time. You know, there are a couple of other things I do to um, generate extra income, um, which are like just like money making opportunities. But then as far mm -hmm. as startup is concerned, this is what I'm working on. I'm passionate about it. I keep, I, I'm doing it. And I, I mean, at some point I hope to exit, but then, you know, for now it's just, uh, I, this is what I'm dedicated to. So how did you, uh, as far as financing the company, um, what, was, uh, what was your source of financing? You said that you, you, you worked for another company and you made some money and you used it for, for it, but uh, have, you uh, have you considered uh, taking uh, venture capital or crowdfunding or something like that for building Sessi technologies? Yeah, yeah. So um, in the beginning, it was a combination of like startup pitch competitions, grants um yeah combination of startup pitch competitions and grants we raised about um three hundred thousand dollars you know from these startup pitch competitions grants some of my own personal money but you know in ghana especially in africa um the vc scene is 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 non-existent um uh it takes a, you need to build a lot of traction um, to get to the point where you are able to attract VC funding and other external funding. I mean, banks are out of the question because like right now, interest rates in Ghana is like 50%. So basically as an African startup, the odds are stuck against you. You know, you need to do more to get compared to like a startup in the West where with like, with, with an idea, you can even get an accelerator, get like 50,000, 100,000. In Africa, you need to do more to get to the point where you know, investors from the West are willing to trust you with their money. So our approach is to use um, all of the different sources of funding that are available to us to build a company to the point where we are attractive for investors and then we can raise like institutional funding. So what's your image of yourself right now and where do you see yourself in 10 years from now? Um, I, 10 years from now, I am hoping to have exited Ceci Technologies. Uh, doing something that I am interested in. I like music. I like making YouTube videos. I like doing nonprofit work. I like farming. And so um, I like also giving back to society. So maybe set up a foundation, support under entrepreneurs, other students. Uh, but then I, I don't want to be actively involved in the startup world for maybe more than another 10 years because it's very, very stressful. And I feel like uh, after 10 years, I, I feel like I would have given enough of my life to really helping to build the um, um, build technology that improves African agriculture. And it would be, it would be uh, interesting to see where SSC Technologies is at that time. Great. So uh, as, a, as a last question, what do you want out of life and uh, how has that changed over time? Uh, for me, I just, I want to be happy and fulfilled, right? So it's uh, happiness, fulfillment in whatever I'm doing. I want to do it because I love it. Uh, I enjoy doing it and um, not necessarily, I mean, money is, is, is good. Money is nice. Money helps you to live a certain kind of life, 
But then for me, happiness and fulfillment is more important. So like I have a family, I have kids, I have, um, if I have family, I have kids, I'm happy, I have good health, we're able to afford what we need. Uh, it's good for me, right? And I'm doing things, every, I'm spending my time doing things that I love, not because I have to do them, because I want to do them and I love doing them. That's me. Uh, I'm a simple guy. 